Um, as a kid, um, I was pretty focused on food. And like the school picnic and that sort of thing, I could tell you what we ate, but I couldn't tell you who was there. So, um, and um, it was pretty easy with the, free and easy with the food in my family home. Um, I didn't get people telling me to restrain myself. But um, I became, as I got a little older, I became increasingly uh, worried, especially around this time of year, um, uh, because the eating, I just kept eating and, you know, wanting to be happy and thinking, well, you know, I just need to keep eating to be happy. Um I used to say in my initial OA uh, things, I was, um, in the end, I, you know, at the end of those sort of sessions, the, the um, Christmas season, etc., and the eating that I did, I was uh, thinking of putting a call out to Greenpeace so they could tow me off the beach because I felt like a beached whale, you know, after eating. Um, and I don't think the eating really stopped completely unless there was some activity that said that uh, you're not to eat, like in, in class at school. But, um, yeah, that sort of close relationship for, with food, it was pretty intense. Anyway, and I stole money to get food. Uh, you know, going to the swimming pool as a kid, I'd raid me mum's purse and flatly deny it wasn't, you know, that it was me. There's all of these sort of behaviours, but... Um, my my eating really took off <laughs> when I got a job, my own income, and it wasn't. I wasn't thinking, "Gee, I'll be able to get a car or anything." I was. <laughs> I can go and eat whenever I want. You know that was pretty exciting, but also the flip side of that was I just felt estranged from other people, uh, different, low self esteem. Um, and I was acting out, uh, trying to be the, the tough guy, et cetera, so that, you know, people would say, oh, Richard, the great man, you know. Uh, in, amongst my peers, I, I felt often less than. The girlfriend thing, uh, well, I don't know, that was pretty confusing for me. Um, <clears throat> and, and as I got older, any attempts I made, to get to know anybody, um, they soon headed in a different direction because the messages I sent there were come here and go away at the same time. So, you know, what are they going to do with that? And I certainly didn't believe that anybody could just be attracted to me. I had thought I had to put on a front. I had to make people like me. It wasn't restricted to... Um, um, uh, women that I found attractive, it was friends too. I'd try and make them like me or I'd try and earn, um, put them in my debt so that it let me hang around with them. So all of that's pretty dysfunctional sort of shit. Anyway, I moved from my, where I was born in Auckland, New Zealand to Australia in 1980, uh, Sydney. And uh, I had one friend here. 
and um, we embarked on a riotous time of um, excess. <laughs> there, um, a pretty frightening time. I got uh, fatter than I'd ever been, and uh, this is probably the first and last time in my share that I'll mention weight because I think that's just ridiculous trying to measure, trying to measure this disease with a number. I just think that is absolutely anathema. Anyway, so I think I've seen a sort of 120 kilos uh, on the scales. Anyway, uh, Sydney didn't do it for me. You know, when I moved there, I packed all my attitudes and bullshit thinking and so on brought it along with me, but again, it wasn't, uh, I couldn't see that. It was, well, now, uh, life in New Zealand, Auckland, ah, they're all dickheads. Um, the same idea with Sydney. Oh, yeah, I can't make any friends here. They're all dickheads. I couldn't see the common denominator there. <laughs> I moved to Melbourne. I had another friend there. And um, again, embarked on a riotous and frightening behaviour. Um, yeah, eventually there I um I wore out my welcome and I had to get a you know get a, my own place which I did and um and I was working for a service station at that time um and this was the desire. Uh, warp desire for closeness with others. It was a, there was a girl who operated the checkout. She was pivotal in it, and I thought I've, I've got to make her like me. And people don't like me because I'm fat. That's what I thought. So right, I'll fix that. And I um, adopted an intense study on nutrition, and I joined a gym. And with my extensive knowledge, I had. Um, I'd starve during the day and have rice because I knew that people from Asia ate that and um, I needed green food so I'd have cabbage with it, you know. Sorry if I'm mentioning binge foods, people. Um, you know, it's absolutely crazy. And um, sure, the, the weight fell off uh, with binging in between. Oh, the weight, I'm mentioning weight. The fat disappeared and... Um, I became a gym star and I was told from the gym, oh, you do. And then after a while, I was getting pretty skinny and they're saying, oh, you better calm down. And I thought, I'll show you. I'll show you. You want to see, you want to see thin? I'll show you. And um, without the anaesthetic of food, I was a liability to my employer. I was angry, prickly, abusive. Um, yeah, as mad as a cut snake, and I was desperate. And my eating had progressed from binging uh, into um, going on a binge and then uh, sticking my fingers down my throat and vomiting. And all of these things were, the dieting and all that, were efforts on my part to control the crazy eating. And... Um, but there was no guarantee for that. You know, I had I had strategy after strategy, but there was no guarantee that that would stop because always I would binge again. And um, I became suicidal. 
and um, yeah, because I was desperate. OA ran an article in the local rag, the community newspaper. I was looking for another diet. And man, did I see, I saw that and I, I just, wow, these people have been looking in my window at night, you know. And uh, I had a higher power and that was terror because I thought I'm going to die. I was having outer body experiences in the binging. I'm going to die. It's, it was frightened. And I went to my first OA meeting and it was the terror, the, the fear of dying that got me there. And in the meeting, it was just a continuation of the article, which um, where they'd been interviewed, and and the people, um, because I had a great deal of shame about my eating too. Uh, the people there, you know, they just said it like it was for them, and I identified, and I, my emotional, spiritual state uh, walked in hopeless, but um, I had a real upswing, positive, because I remember thinking clearly, I'm not going to die alone. And that was a vast improvement when I walked in. And I kept going, you know, and I've kept going. That was August 84. I've never left. Um, I did recruit disciples initially because I was thin when I went in. Um, and they soon twigged that I didn't have anything that they didn't already have, the madness. But um, my recovery really began to progress when I got a sponsor. And I, um, I looked for somebody who had what I wanted. Well, one, they were thin. And uh, two, they spoke of the importance of ab abstinence. And I could see the link. And I thought abstinence was the food plan. But over the years, I've seen the understanding of that develop in our way. It's not the food plan. The food plan is a, a food plan. Um, so... Um, Abstinence is state of mind. Yep. So, uh, and it's the steps that have given me whatever abstinence I have today. And I was talking with somebody recently in the beverage program who's asked me, knows me quite well, I know them, and they're trying to get their head around this. And they're thinking in absolutes, black and white. And, um, yeah. And this abstinence isn't black and white. Mine isn't. Initially, you know, if I stuck to the, my food plan, I'd go into a meeting and I would say, my name's Richard, I'm abstinence today. And I'd be thinking, and you lot aren't. <laughs> I wasn't abstinent. Yeah, sure, I'd followed the food plan, but the head was a mess. And my relationship with myself was a mess. And... Uh, to address that, um, I, I caught on. I did things outside of OA to understand the steps in part and um, as best I could. And with the help of the sponsor, I started working the steps. And um, I'm so grateful to see the development of OA literature from the OA perspective about steps and to name the principles because I always had this question. They said these principles and all out, what are they? I never knew. Nobody ever gave me a defined description of them and I couldn't see any, but having them named in the 12 steps and 12 traditions and, you know, 
And I let go of literature that wasn't written by OA people because, you know, compulsive eating is my, that's what I've got. And um, I don't drink. I don't want to do the experiment with that ever again. But the compulsive eating, that is, that's my problem. And um, knowing the principles, yeah, what is some... Um, what does humility look like? That state of being tent, um, teachable. Um, what's what's the um, what's being entirely ready look like? The willingness. What does that look like? It's not just oh, it sounds like a good idea. That's a deep change in attitude, just like the preceding step um, of. Uh, the amends, you know, what does love look, what does that really, I, I had this these ideas about love being something to do with pornography or something, but what does, you know, effective, constructive love look like? And it says in that, um, that eighth step, um, we work this step to learn attitudes of mercy and forgiveness. And that's a lot uh, different from thinking I'm abstinent and you're not um, yeah now the joy of recovery talked about that's another thing it's not not a principle named but having um, helping others being compassionate supporting others as I have been supported in this fellowship um, it's a tremendous thing and what I always wanted was a um, I wanted the religious experience, you know. You give your heart over. All the, all your misdemeanors are swept away. It's an event. And then you go on, healed or whatever. Didn't happen that way. My, my understanding and experience in the steps and traditions, the traditions for getting on effectively with other people, the steps for getting on with me, yeah, thank you, um, yeah, it's a process. So, and, and it does say that in the 12th step, having had a spiritual awakening as the result, not a result, the result of these 12 steps. And that is my experience. So I'm a really happy customer. Overeaters Anonymous. Um, yeah, so uh, whatever that is, 39 and a half years. And um, I'm very grateful to you all, the other members of OA. That'll do me. Thanks. And the topic, uh, how about perseverance? <laughs>